Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dicko hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. Today's episode is going to be three things in three categories with the NBA draft upcoming. I'm going to touch on the three biggest misunderstandings of the NBA draft and why players get selected either where they are selected or why they are not selected or sometimes why they are surprisingly selected as high as they are or to a certain team. I'm also going to cover my three favorite guards in this year's NBA draft as well as the three guards that I think have the opportunity to have the most impact early on in their NBA careers. We'll start off with the three biggest misunderstandings uh, with the NBA draft. So many times um, people get excited about, oh, he's a lottery pick, um, or he was a second-round pick. Well, many times you don't get the true value or the true understanding of of how good a pick was until a couple years later. Um, So much time, so much effort, so much research goes into by each of these front offices in in making these draft selections. Um, I can remember when I was with uh, the Portland Trailblazers and I was a part of the pre-draft process with the workouts, um, we would watch film uh, every day every morning before we'd have a pre-draft workout on each of the players that was going to be there. Um, The scouting department would give us kind of their take, their overview of what um, they thought uh, were their strengths and weaknesses, some of the drills that we wanted to put them in, maybe some of the kind of settings that maybe we could make them uncomfortable in just to see how they would react. Um, And then they kind of gave us a a little bit of a range of, of maybe where uh, this player um, could be selected, um, early projections, obviously, um, and then we would go out and do the workout. But, you know, to, to get back to, to the, the, the topic of three misunderstandings, I think the first one for, for a lot of fans that they don't understand is it's easy when you see the number one pick or the number two or three pick saying, hey, that's the guy. Well, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist for, for a lot of uh, general managers to make the right selection um, at that spot. All you, although there has been a few uh, mistakes in, in taking that number one pick, Anthony Bennett comes to mind. Um, you know, but very rarely is a number one pick truly a, a difficult decision. Uh, well, I can't say a difficult decision, but usually it's very um, easy to, to differentiate 
uh, a number one, number two, number three pick versus, you know, a late first rounder or a second rounder. Um, but I think the one of the biggest misunderstandings is fit um, in a roster makeup. A lot of times fans um, are going to want a certain player because maybe they're, they, they think that's what the team needs. Um, but the front office, the scouting department, the head coaching, the coaching staff, they already know what they need and, and the fit that they truly need um, to help their roster improve. And they also know their roster makeup currently day of draft, but they're also looking a month down the road when free agent signings are really happening and who and what free agents they have a legitimate opportunity to sign and then they also have a couple year plan of of who they're looking at um in the free agent market uh you know whether it's signings or maybe even trades of who that staff and who that organization really likes to fit um and they've also then got you know the european free agents that really nobody has heard of and i think that's always been one of the, the very interesting things is the reactions on draft day when Europeans get drafted that very few people truly know much about. I mean, Giannis was not uh, a very exciting pick for the Milwaukee Bucks fans, but he's turned out pretty good. Um, Occasionally you'll get a European or international player that's very well known like a Yao Ming, Um, but many times they're kind of, uh, they're the unknown. They're the wild card. The second misunderstanding would be um, kind of similar to what I alluded to um, in talking about the first one of the fit in the roster makeup is two, it's the unknown uh, trades in the free agent movements. Um, there is so much intel leading up to the draft, both on the players that are about to get drafted, but also the intel on free agents um, and possible trades that are going to happen that any good front office has to have a a incredible pulse on the league um and knowing and thinking two steps ahead of what might be happening because so many times um you might have your eye on say player x and but player y is really um the the player that uh would fit best for you if player uh and then there's a player z maybe that could come at a cheaper um you know, salary position on your roster. But if, if Y, your main target, goes somewhere else and X you knew you really didn't have a chance to get, but then Z pops up and is available, um, you got to be able to, to have already done your research, covered your bases, know what it might take to, to get that player, whether it's in uh, a trade or whether it's to get that player um, uh, in a free agent signing at, at a at a money slot that works for you and your organization um and so the the thing is there's so many trades during the the day or two leading up to the draft and the day of the draft that happen and it gets really exciting for fans to watch but to be honest there's probably it's hard to put a number on it but the amount of trades that are talked about that versus that are that are executed uh, there's a huge difference. I can go back and remember there was one time that uh, I was traded on draft day from Portland to New York. Myself, Zach Randolph, uh, Fred Jones. Um, we were traded on draft day and it completely caught us off guard. 
Yet three days before that, Freddie Jones and I, uh, we were actually playing open gym at the University of Portland, and we were both rumored to be in a trade. It was it was proposed to be, I believe, Zach Randolph, Freddie Jones, Martel Webster, and myself. And um, my agent had some information. Um, his agent had some slightly different information. So we knew there was a possibility. Um, but then the next day, uh, that was completely off the table and, and it went away and, and it never came to fruition. And so we kind of both felt at ease that uh, we were fine, we weren't going to get traded. And then lo and behold, draft day, we both get included on a trade that was completely different um, from the one that was talked about uh, just a few days before. The third um, kind of misunderstanding that a lot of people uh, really don't get and don't see is the skill set and style of many college players just don't translate or they do translate. There's a lot of times there's, there's players that um, are tremendous college players, all-American level college players, um, but their game just does not fit the NBA, the pro style. Uh, and then there's many times on the flip side, you, you find a guy who, um, you know, averaged maybe eight points and six rebounds, um, two steals at the college level. Uh, and he just, the, the college game did not fit him well. He gets to the pros. Um, obviously, you've got to have the right fit. You got to have a coach and an organization that believes in you, and you got to have a work ethic um, to seize an opportunity and continue to improve when that opportunity is there. But so many times, the, the, there's a skill set that just doesn't match up to go from the college to the pro game and be uh, successful, and vice versa. Many times, there's a skill set that doesn't uh, fit a college game and and maybe the program that they're in in college yet they've got maybe the length and athleticism defensively or maybe they're uh, a tremendous uh corner three shooter um and that's valued by an organization um or maybe they're just uh you know somebody who can guard multiple positions and in that team's defensive schemes uh it is invaluable so those are three kind of misunderstandings a lot of times that people have in regards to the NBA draft. Continuing on with NBA draft preview and some thoughts, uh, three of the most uh, potentially impactful guards that I see in this year's NBA draft, um, two of them are going to be names that are probably going to be selected in the, uh, in the first five picks, I would imagine. Um, Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State, um, I believe, is going to be the number one pick. It's looking like um, most mock drafts and, and most analysts who follow it closely have him going number one as well. Um, he's just such a versatile, dynamic guard with great size. I don't necessarily think uh, he's, he's the most explosive athlete, but he uses his athleticism and his length uh, extremely well. Um, he can shoot it. He can pass it. Um, he can drive it. He can create um, for others. Uh, he plays with a high IQ, um, and he competes. You know, I think that's one of those the things that I enjoyed watching him this past college season was, you know, Oklahoma State had some ups and downs, um, and it didn't look like they were going to make the NCAA tournament. 
Uh, and then, you know, he, he had a really nice end of the season. So I think Cade Cunningham will be the number one pick. I'm really um, looking forward to watching his transition to the NBA. I think he's going to be in, impactful very soon um, as a rookie. I think another impactful guard is someone that I had a chance to watch closely a lot um, throughout this past season with my college basketball work and in particular because he played for Gonzaga and that's Jalen Suggs you know I think he'll be a top five pick Um, he's good size good athleticism um, but I think the thing that stands apart or stands out I mean um, for Jalen Suggs in my mind is is his competitive spirit and his ability to just win and be a leader and get guys to buy in and kind of gravitate uh, towards playing for him and with him uh, was really impressive for a freshman. Um, you know, I think the other reason he's got a chance, you know, to be impactful is because um, he does not back down. Uh, he is not afraid to make plays, which led to a couple high turnover games this season. Um, but I think it's also going to allow his learning curve to to speeden up and he's going to figure out quickly at the NBA level what he what plays he can and can't make at an early at an early stage in his career. Uh, he's not the most skilled point guard in this draft, and I think that also bodes well for his future because um, he's a good three point shooter. I think he right around thirty two percent, if I'm not mistaken, on the season. Um, but you're not going to mistake him for a great shooter at this stage in his career. Uh, but all indications are that he's a worker. Everything that I've talked to from coaches and seen uh, is that he's a worker and that he will become uh, a good three-point shooter at the NBA level. Probably never become a great three-point shooter, but that's asking a lot uh, of somebody who's going to impact the game in, in, in so many other ways. But he'll be a good shooter. But, you know, I think he's also got tremendous upside is because his his ball handling Although he's able to make plays for others, get out and transition, uh, his ball handling has got to be refined. It's got to get tightened up. Um, But you saw over the course of the year he got better in pick-and-roll situations of handling it and making the correct simple read. Uh, And that's just a matter of drilling it over and over again at Gonzaga's practices and workouts and things that are going to be done uh, even more so at the NBA level and studied in film. Um, I, I think he's a tremendous player. I think he's going to have a great career, and uh, I think he'll be a very impactful early in his career. Oh, and one other thing to not forget about him is, you know, I mentioned the competes. He does compete. He also guards, um, and that's something that uh, is harder to translate from the college to the NBA game uh, than I think it is from the NBA or from high school to college. He was a great defender. Uh, as a freshman at Gonzaga, I think, you know, his his knack for the ball, his instincts, his competitiveness uh, are going to make him a, have a chance to be a great defender at that next level. Uh, the third guard that I think is going to be impactful might might surprise a few people. Um, I had a chance to call one of their games uh, this past season on CBS Sportsnet for UConn, and that's James Booknight. Um when I see a, a confident attacking guard uh, like him, I kind of f- keep that name in the back of my mind and, and kind of follow him throughout the, the season. And uh, that's what I saw. The, the, the game I called for UConn was early in the season, and he was exactly that. He was an attacking guard who really 
um, pushed the pace and transition when he got it, even though he's not necessarily a, a point. He's more of a, a, a combo that I would actually think of as more of a, an undersized two. Um, but he attacked in transition, tried to find seams, trying to find gaps. Um, I thought he had a nice live ball series of moves off the jab step. I thought he did a nice job moving out without the ball when I saw him. Um, he, he's got deep range. He's more athletic um, than I think a lot of people are going to give him credit for. Uh, and, you know, I think his his toughness showed throughout the season because he had a number of injuries uh, and he tried to play through a lot of them. It, the, a lot of reports and videos that have surfaced in, in pre-draft workouts are, are showing him shooting the lights out um, in, in at, and at deep range. And so he's a guard that, you know, I, when I saw him this year, I liked him. And uh, I think he's going to have an impact uh, because of how aggressive he is and how aggressive he plays. So um, for the three impactful guards, I'm looking to follow this next upcoming season. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, and James Booknight. Continuing on with the NBA draft preview, uh, this set of three will be a set of three guards I'm look, most looking forward to watching um, for a number of reasons. Uh, I think they've got quite a bit of upside, um, but I really enjoyed watching them play in particular over the last year for two of them, but one of them, I'm really curious to see how uh, his decision coming out of high school uh, is going to impact his future as well as maybe some other players' future. And I guess we'll start with him right there. It's Jalen Green, high school player, skipped going to college, decided to go to the G League Ignite team in the G League where he put together some some good games, some good stretches, but he also put together um, a package of skill sets that is really intriguing to a lot of NBA teams. And not a lot of um, fans are going to know as much about him because of the route that he took. But um, six foot seven, six foot eight, Jalen Green, perimeter player, um, I think has a chance to be a really good pro. Extremely athletic, very athletic, very explosive. Uh, can get to the rim in, in one dribble from nearly anywhere in the front court and, and finish either over the top or through some contact. I think his jump shot's going to have some work to do, but from what it I've seen on, on film, it looks uh, like it's got a lot of talent, a lot of promise. He could become a, a good shooter in time. He's got solid footwork. Um, but his length and his athleticism and his finishing ability, I think, is really the most intriguing attribute to his game right now. Um, most people are talking about him being a, a top five pick. Some have him as high as two. Um, so I'm really interested in to see how he fares and how that potentially may impact some more upcoming high school kids deciding to go that G League route as opposed to the traditional college route. Uh, second perimeter player I'm, of the three I'm looking forward uh, to really following and seeing not only where they're drafted, but how they play uh, at the next level. Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. He's somebody that obviously I've seen closely um, at Gonzaga. You know, he came in as, um, you know, a very good shooter, somebody who had the potential 
um, to grow into a good player. And what he's done each year is just expand his game, grow into his game, and then become a great shooter, lived had the reputation as a as a high school to a freshman of being a good shooter um, and then has grown his uh, consistency, grown his shooting range every single year. He's added the ability to play in pick-and-roll situations. He's added the ability to put the ball on the deck and make solid choices, whether it's one dribble pull-up uh, and – if it's not, if it's the ability, if it's the opportunity to get all the way to the rim, he's strong enough uh, that he can finish through contact or over the top with a finish. Um, so I think Corey Kispert's going to be someone that I'm going to have in- interest in watching, partly as well because you know I was concerned about his defense early in his career. Um, you know, somebody my like myself who was never a great defender, I thought that was going to be something that was going to continue to be an issue for him but absolutely not he is really uh he's worked hard on that over the last couple years um and he's become a a great team defender and he's become a a very solid on-ball defender as well the third uh perimeter player that i think i'm going to be interested uh, to really keep an eye on is bones highland from vcu um i had a chance to to call a vcu game this year and um i was i was impressed he's a flat out scorer he scores you know a lot of times you hear he scores at all three levels well highland does exactly that he can get to the rim he can finish he can get fouled get to the free throw line uh get points in that way he's got a nice pull-up game he's creative both with the dribble as well as his live ball game uh, to be able to get to mid-range stuff. Uh, and then he can shoot it from deep. Um, you know, I was really impressed when I watched him play uh, mid-season. And I've, I've kept a close eye on him throughout the end of the season. And uh, I think he's somebody that I'm going to have fun watching at that next level. Um, so Bones Highland is the next one that uh, I'm really interested and curious to watch play. I'm going to add one more. And it's going to be my and one. Somebody that you know, is my sleeper in this year's NBA draft. Someone from the Northwest started his career at Oregon State where um, I thought he was going to have a promising future. Uh, He decided to transfer, went to UC Santa Barbara, led them to the NCAA tournament and, uh, you know, kept improving his game, kept developing his game. And now he's uh, being talked about as as a possible uh, draft pick. If he's not drafted, I think, think he's definitely got a chance to impress some some people in summer league and, and i would not be surprised to see him on an nba roster um if it's not this year um in the future uh jacory mclaughlin he's uh from the tacoma area he played and grew up alongside malachi flynn who went to washington state transferred to san diego state now he's in the nba i'm sure jacory mclaughlin has taken a lot of that as inspiration and in, in realizing that you know what uh, I I can make this journey and have success in this journey as well. McLaughlin's interesting to me because um, he's not necessarily a point guard, although he can make point guard plays. Um, I I'd call him a little bit more of a of a two that can make um, as I as I call them point guard plays. He can play and pick and roll a little bit. He can initiate offense. Uh, he can break the defense down and make the correct read when he gets. Uh, 
uh, into the defense and collapses it. He's got good size. He's got good length. I think he's got a solid feel for the game. Um, and he can shoot a little bit. So to Corey McLaughlin from the Northwest is my sleeper of the draft. So um, I always enjoy reading a lot of the pre-draft analyst uh, breakdowns, uh, reading a lot of the mock drafts because, you know, it brings back a lot of great memories for me, but it's also interesting to see how other people view some of the guys that I've watched throughout the year and have kept my eye on. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, the draft is a, is, is a culmination of guys hard work and it's a celebration of that. But at the end of the day, it's not just that it's actually the beginning of the next phase of their career and the guys that take it and understand it, that it's truly the beginning stage of their career are typically the ones that uh, have a lasting and long career. So for SB Live Sports and the ISO, I'm Dan Dickow. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.